to the Med Street Journal. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Med Street Journal podcast, sponsored by Open Loop, a trusted partner for telehealth companies across the U.S. looking to launch and scale their virtual care services. Check them out at openloophealth.com. Today I'm joined by another very special guest, Mr. Tim Costantino. He is the VP and head of product at Advanced MD, and he comes with 19 years of experience in product lifecycle management. He's an agile expert with extensive experience bringing new products to market in short cycles to efficiently find product market fit. He's also known for building scalable and extensive platforms to serve customers that are flexible and easy to maintain. So that being said, I'm excited to have him on, pick his brain a little bit and um, learn a little bit more about him and his company. So that being said, welcome. Awesome. Thank you, Rodney. Happy to be here. Yeah, no problem. So why don't we just jump into it? Why don't we give people a brief background of who you are, how you got into this whole healthcare space, and what's the impact that you're trying to make? Yeah, sure. So I came into healthcare from the technology angle. So early on in my career, I considered pretty much anything tech as my industry. I've got a computer science degree from college, specialized in artificial intelligence. But in 2008, I had an amazing opportunity to join a healthcare technology company here in my new home, Salt Lake City, Utah, in the last you know, 13 or so years. And it really was just, it was a phenomenal opportunity for me. Jumped into sort of a, it was an established company, but it, it ran and felt like a startup. So I had this great opportunity to really grow and evolve with this company as it continued to grow and merge with other companies. And that's really how I got into healthcare. So I fell into it from the technology side. And then a couple of years into that job, I decided to really jump in with uh, with both feet and switch over from the pure technology roles as a product and healthcare space. And that's really when I consider myself entering the healthcare industry. Nice. So come with the technology background. It's always interesting because it's People either have like technology or business or healthcare, but they're always missing one before they transition to the other. It's interesting to hear your background. But as far as like Advanced MD, why don't you talk a little bit more about that company, what you guys are creating over there and what you guys are working on? Yeah, sure. So yeah, so I've been with Advanced MD for just over just over to two years now. And it's been, it's really just a phenomenal place to work. It's a phenomenal company. We really believe in uh, taking care of our people. And if we take care of our people, then our people will take care of our customers and our customers will take care of the rest. That's the, the, the main sort of mantra of the company. So it's been a phenomenal place to work. And here at Advanced MD, our goal is really to be the, the heartbeat of healthcare for healthcare practices. We offer everything from the practice management solution for billing. We offer electronic uh, health record for, for clinical documentation. We offer uh, patient engagement tools like patient portal and telehealth and online scheduling. Um, so we really offer a full suite of products that a healthcare practice needs to, uh, to, to function day to day. It's just been really just a tremendous place to work over the last couple of years. Dang, that sounds interesting. And I was checking out the website and a little bit more into the company and one of the value adds that you guys bring is that you help with workflow automation. And I feel like no matter what industry, workflow automation is an important aspect as far as uh, when it comes to business, but how important is that in healthcare and how can people start to think about automating different parts of their workflows? Yeah. Yeah. You really raise a great point, right? Automation is really just absolutely key for healthcare practices. So one of the tenants we have, at advanced and different product perspective is that you know, we offer a unified solution, right? So 
the PM has to work with the EHR, the EHR has to work with the, with the patient portal, the patient portal has to work with telehealth, it has to work with payments. Everything that we do has to be a unified experience across the entire solution. When we talk about product development and product management, we talk about what's most important. The one thing you can't get wrong when we're building new products is the unification of all the products. So if we're building something, we have to make sure it's unified across each area of the product. And that's key because in order to accomplish the automation that you mentioned, all those components need to be able to work together. Because really there are so many opportunities from an automation perspective within the practice. There's automation within billing workflows. There's automation within payment workflows. There's automation within the, 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 the clinician workflows. And in order for all those things to work together well, it's got to be a seamless experience across each of the solutions. And the great thing now, like, there are so many tools available to help us achieve that automation. Everything from the tried and true user experience workflow optimization to traditional expert systems, all the way to empowered machine learning and identifying new patterns and trying to find new opportunities for automation within workflows. Dang. So for healthcare companies and organizations that are thinking about automation and how to make parts of their business more efficient, when should they start to focus on that? And how far into their processes do they need to be in before they start thinking about automating certain aspects of it? Yeah, that's a great question. I look at automation as a, a continual improvement project. It's not something that you're just going to do once and get right. It's something that you've got to continuously be improving your processes on from really from day one for the rest of time. It's, it can often be, it can be helpful to start a process manually to make sure that you understand the details of what's going on. So that, that is often an, an easy place to get started. It's figure out how do we do this manually, figure out how we accomplish these things. You learn the system, you understand it. But then from that point forward, identify every single friction point in that process, identify every single repetitive task that you're doing as part of that process and find a way to automate it. Find a way to take that off your plate. That way you don't need to worry about that anymore. You can now focus on the next process that needs to be automated or the next, the, the next higher value function that you and your practice can have to take better care of your patients. Nice. So really just like mapping everything out, all the steps of the process, identifying what's good, what's not working, what are the bottlenecks, what can be improved, and then just optimizing that. And that's the way that you would go about making that a little bit more efficient. But when you start to do that and you say it allows you to free up your time to focus on higher value tasks, like how do you know what to prioritize first within a company as far as which tasks to automate first and then being able to focus on higher level tasks? Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. And ultimately, it comes down to the 80-20 rule. What tasks can you find that uh, take up the most time, right, or the most repetitive actions? And, uh, and you know, the, kind of the classical way to describe that is you can do a time study on your activities, right? Like time everything else that you're doing, try to figure out what's taking the most amount of time, and then pick that item as the automation point. But really, that's you can make a lot of these decisions by just looking at one day's worth of work and doing some back of the napkin type math. Of, I've done this about you know, 50 times and it takes me 30 seconds each time. It's going to take me X amount of total time and let's get rid of that and find a way to automate it. And the good news is a lot of what you're doing within a practice, um, other practices are doing, there's a massive community, right? Of practices that are doing similar things and, and vendors and partners 
they're in a unique position that they can see what's going on across a wide range of practices. So there are folks around you that can help you identify those things as well and say, these are things that we built into the product as an example, because we have identified this as a common task that practices have to do all the time. So that can even be a great place to start to look at what the product offers, because largely the product team is looking at where are the most efficient places um, to automate. And then look at, all right, how do you turn those features on? How do you enable those features? How do you adjust your workflow to fit into the automation schemes that are already designed within the product? And that can be a tremendous jump, jumping off point. That way you're not trying to recreate the wheel within every single individual practice. Hmm. I like that. Not having to recreate the wheel, just create that framework, that system that works and then just duplicate that. And so when it comes to like your guys' company, like you guys have all these different solutions that you can hand out for all these different verticals, but who is like the ideal sort of partner or customer for you guys that you guys feel that you can really help? Is it the smaller offices? Is it the large healthcare organizations? Is it everybody? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we, at Advanced MD, we focused on on, on outpatient or, or ambulatory. But in terms of the size of the practice, I think our history has certainly been the, the, the smaller practices, but that has changed drastically over the last decade. We are continually serving the much larger organizations as well. We have broader needs, both from a technology and a scale perspective, a performance perspective, but also from a workflow automation perspective, because that's another sort of key element of the automation side of things. When you're the need for automation grows significantly as the organization grows as well. If you're a one to 10 doc shop and you're only managing 10 providers, that's not that hard to manage adding a provider and setting up that provider and doing everything that you need to do to get that provider up and running. But when you're talking about thousands of providers, now that task just got multiplied a thousand times over. You can't just have you know one person that does that over a period of a couple of days. Now you have a continual process that you need to manage. And if you do that manually all the time, you're going to have somebody that's always doing that all the time, because now you're dealing with provider churn and changes and all those types of things that, that you have at a much higher scale as a larger organization. That's really another component of automation that we at Advanced MD have to look at very carefully to make sure that we can support those much larger organizations efficiently as well. Dan, it's crazy. Because I feel like that's a super important part of a business and making sure things run smoothly and efficiently, like having systems in place. But when you think of automation, like the average person thinks of like technology and technology can be confusing. And so how do you go about decreasing that like resistance to getting into automation? How do you go about educating your core audience on the importance of this? Yeah. We try to make it as simple as possible. <laughs> so that is just really critical. People's expectations are not to have to read a massive manual to learn how to use software, um, to learn how to use your, when you get an iPhone, as an example, you don't get a massive book around how, how to use this phone and your Android device or you know whatever device. It's intuitive. There are patterns that, that, that you've learned over time that you can rely on. And that is really critical for how we design our software. And from my perspective, there's no way to get that right unless you're testing. So we have to test our designs, test our ideas, 
You got to test them early. You got to test them often. You got to test them throughout the process of ideation to design, to build, to deployments, to support. That way you can constantly improve the process and make it as simple as possible for all of the users of the system to use it as effectively as possible. Dang. So how would you go about recommending or how would you go about integrating feedback loops into these companies so they can better figure out their processes and easily identify which areas that they can start automating. Like how much data should you have like to fall back on before you even say like, okay, this is something that's working and that we can automate. Does that make sense? Yeah, it sure does. So recommendation to other companies, hire an amazing head of user experience. (laughs) Get great people around you. That's, that's lesson number one. I think I'd give just every, anybody and everybody, as far as a data perspective, get as much as you can. When you're in product, you're constantly negotiating between collecting of data, testing data, and getting the product out to market. Because if you have a product that never ships, then you have a product that never offers any value. So that's a constant sort of, um, negotiation that you're always having within the world of product. What we've done, we've tried to set minimum expectations, right? Depending on the impact of the feature. So how much change is this feature going to have? That impact then dictates what's the minimum expectation of testing that must happen before that design can move on to the next stage. And there's a range in terms of the amount of testing, but there's a minimum expectation. And then the other aspect of that is to make sure that you have data collection tools at the ready so that you can continually monitor how that feature is being used and adopted. That way you can continue to tweak it and evolve it over time. Because really there's, I talk a lot about sort of continuous improvements, mentioned that at the kind of the, the, the top of the podcast. That's sort of a critical tenant, I think, to, to, to building effective products. Everything is continually, needs to be continually improved. There's no such thing as a product that you can say is completely done. You're always looking to see how you can improve it, how you can make it better. Dang, so just thinking of, I'm just trying to follow your mindset as far as automation and thinking of in terms of systems and trying to collect, connect all these pieces of the puzzle. And then once you do so, it paints a picture of a well-oiled machine. But like you said, you're always improving and stuff like that. So how can you like measure performance and how do you know when like something that's already been built is slowly he's like starting to fall back in performance wise. And how do you know when to focus on that to increase the performance and just to make sure that you're consistently in an optimized state? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great question. And it can often depend on the type of feature that you're, that you're building and delivering. The simplest one though, is usage. Make sure you have a way to track what the usage is like for the new feature that you're deploying. Have an expectation of what you think the usage should be for the, for the new feature. And then make sure you can track that usage over time so that you can test your hypothesis of what the usage, what you, your hypothesis about what the usage should have been. That way, if you're on track, then great. You made a great hypothesis, a great guess. You are, you're good to go. But if you're off in either direction, then you can start asking the questions of why, why aren't we getting the usage that we expected? Is it because the, is it because the, the users don't know that the feature's there? Is it because the feature doesn't offer as much value as we thought it was? As, as we thought it was going to offer? Is it because the feature is too complicated? You can start asking those whys, and then you can start taking it to the deeper level of trying to understand those whys and test those whys, then you can adjust from there. From an automation perspective, we've um, we've been tracking some specific processes and seeing 
how much of that specific process has actually been automated. So we can tell how much of this process requires uh, a manual intervention from a user. And we set a goal to improve that automation by 40%. And so we can track that really month over month to see how we're doing along those lines of automation. And thus far for that project, we've achieved a 10% improvement over the last 12 months or so. And that's without that feature being fully deployed yet. So we've got 10% improvement already and it's and it hasn't hit all of our customers yet. So we're really excited about that one and we're already looking at all right, how do we achieve the next the, the next percentage points that we need from a feature functionality automation perspective. So I think overall the message is data is key, right? You gotta have the data, you gotta track the data, um, you gotta use the data to help direct which way you're going. Dude, that was such a crazy answer. I feel like there's so much high level value in that answer. But I feel like you also have your because of your line of work, you're tapped into all different verticals within the industry and you can get an up-to-date pulse on like the industry and how receptive they are. Because if you think if you think about it, like healthcare has always been slow to adopt new technology in general, like regulations and whatnot. But based off your experience and what do you see, what sort of trends are you seeing in the adoption of new technology and uh, more specifically stuff that you guys are working on and how more receptive are people now, especially over the last couple of years? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, COVID has been a shot in the arm for healthcare practices in terms of adoption of new new technology, new workflows, et cetera. For, we, were, we were very fortunate that we were really ahead of the game as a company with telehealth. We had a telehealth product six plus years ago. And uh, we had steady growth on the product, but it was it was a kind of a slow churn. COVID hit and just everybody, telehealth took off. Our telehealth utilization went up by 11,000% over a weekend. And what's interesting is that that forced all practices to find new ways of doing business. And more importantly, not, not even the business side, but more importantly, like it forced the practices to find new ways to provide care. Patients continued to need care. So how do you provide care in this new sort of COVID world? And that stressed that stressed the, the systems and the platforms from a technology performance infrastructure perspective, certainly, that everybody had to respond to and address. But it also stressed the features, the functionalities, the workflow. All these expectations that we had around how telehealth was supposed to work changed very quickly. Because essentially what happened was, is everybody adopted, everyone tried to find a way to do it, accelerated that that learning curve right what might have normally taken us two years to figure out as clients slowly start using the product and slowly start incorporating the workflow we started learning in two weeks as clients were like hey can this do this can this do this can this do that so we had to we had to respond to that quickly we tripled our investment in telehealth we've got a massive project going on right now to basically take everything that we've learned and incorporate it into a new you know version two of our telehealth products those were was, that was a massive acceleration of usage and adoption of technology, massive acceleration in terms of our learning in terms of how the product was going to be used. And so we tried to respond and had a massive acceleration in our, our development efforts. You know, that's crazy because not only are you guys in an industry where technology is being like rapidly adopted, but you guys are also a technology company like, and you guys are rapidly creating this technology and deploying this technology and really helping the market accelerate their learning curve and allowing them to keep up with the times. So 
you guys definitely play an important role in as far as this whole whatever you want to call it the past couple of years. <laughs> it's been exciting. It's been a really exciting time to be in, in healthcare technology. No, COVID is terrible. It's terrible across the board, no matter how you look at it. And there's, you know, there's a line that that's, I don't know what the original source is, but never waste a crisis. Look at the crisis. Look, what can you learn? What can you do to help? What can you do to help the practices that need help? What can you do to help the patients that need help? And I'm really proud of what what we've done in Advanced MD and what many companies have done around the world. We try to help take care of their customers. Awesome. Awesome. I think we've been covering a lot about some high-level topics, especially regarding automation. But I like to end each episode on a little little lighter exercise or something I call the rapid-fire round. Yeah. I'm just going to ask you a couple questions and you give me whatever answer you come up with. Okay. You got it. Question number one, what is your favorite book of all time? Favorite book of all time, leadership and self-deception getting out of the box by the Arbinger Institute. Number two, who is the most influential person in your life or career? I would say it was my grandfather. He was probably one of the most hardworking people that I've ever met. And he had uh, kind of two simple lessons learn. And uh, the other was a life lesson of just how he treated literally everyone around him with both respect and just this crazy, joyful silliness that enabled everybody to instantly connect with him. Ah, I like that. Wise man. Number three, what is one goal you want to accomplish this year or uh, within this next year? Ah, <laughs> uh, within this past year. So we're at the end of the year. I, I set a goal at the beginning of the year to learn uh, a song on the piano that was way beyond my abilities and accomplished that goal. I learned the song, The Awesome Piano by Peter Bentz. Um, very excited about that. And honestly, I'm, I'm now looking for what my goal for 2022 is gonna be. Nice, did you have any previous piano experience? I did, I played for uh, a little over a decade as a kid, but I took 20 years off. That's crazy. And so I was like, I'm gonna try to get back into it. Wow, congrats to you. But last but not least, what is one piece of advice you would give to your 20-year-old self? I would say do right by the people around you, and then no matter what, everything will be okay. Awesome. I like that. Perfect piece of advice. Excellent way to wrap up today's interview. Tim, I just want to thank you again for jumping on and just allowing me to pick your brain and learn a little bit more about what you guys are working on over at Advanced MD. But before you go, where can people learn more about you? connect with you if they want to go ahead yeah uh, so you can find me on uh, linkedin you just search for tim costantino c-o-s-t-a-n-t-i-n-o you can find me there connect with me there message me there and the writing should say it's been an absolute pleasure joining you for the podcast today it's been a really great conversation thank you no problem and i'll be sure to include all those links in the resources section but with that being said that ends today's interview hope you guys found some value in this catch you guys on the next one